Thank you, Pastor Tito. I know that sometimes announcements can get kind of kind of weird, uh, especially when you're printing for more than one campus. Sometimes you get the campuses confused. But uh, hey, good morning. Great to see you this morning. Uh, welcome to New Life Patterson. Those of you that may be new here, or maybe this is your first time, we just uh, hope you never felt like a stranger. Hope you already felt like you were part of our family uh, from the moment you pulled into our parking lot. That's uh, the experience that we try to create here. But uh, just wanted to say thank you for being here this morning. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and I'm the campus pastor here for this location of New Life Christian Center. And uh, we're just so glad to, and so uh, proud to see what God is doing uh, in our campus and the lives of people who attend here and actually through us in the community as well. Uh, like Pastor Tito said, we have a lot of things that, that's, that's happening, things that are resuming, things that are kicking off. And so uh, I know that he mentioned the men's Bible study that starts next week. Uh, beginning at 6.30, we meet right over here in the kids area and the women's Bible study, the Monday night, and then also Tuesday morning. Uh, but also uh, immediately following the service today, the women are going to have kind of an informational meeting as they plan events uh, for 2023. So if you want to be a part of that, it's open to any, any ladies, any, any women, no matter what your age, you can be in high school, you can be uh, retired, it doesn't matter, but they're going to have an informational meeting immediately following service today in the kids area. So just, uh, you can jet over there and hang out with Miss Lisa. Lisa, raise your hand where you at. And so, uh, Lisa, they're going to, uh, just talk about some of the things and, and listen to ideas about things, some of the things that the ladies would like to do and see in 2023. So if you are visiting with us this morning, we have a free gift gift for you. Uh, and it's this mug. And so th this coffee mug has got our logo on it. And so this is our gift to you for being our guest. And so immediately following service, just walk out those double doors, turn left to our welcome center, and you'll see the, the mug sitting there uh, on that on those shelves. Just grab one of those. It's just a small gift. It's got some information about our campus in there as well. But it's just a small token to, uh, from us to you to say, hey, thanks for checking this out. And also, if you are here for the first time and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, Welcome home. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, the other things, you know, like Pastor Tito said, are all on your program. If you want to check out uh, what's happening, we have uh, some keywords down there at the bottom. We don't, we don't go into the, all those every week uh, because it kind of becomes white noise. But uh, if you need prayer, you can text the word prayer to that number. Or if you make a decision to follow Jesus, you can text the word decision and some other things. Um, that maybe you want to join a team. We have a QR code on there. If you've been here for a while and you say, you know what, this is my church. This is where I, I'm going to invest my time and my resources, and I want to be involved in serving as well. There's a QR code on the front of your program. You can just scan that, and it'll show you how to jump on one of our volunteer teams. Okay? All right. Uh, today, we are kicking off a brand new series, okay? Our first series of 2023 called Becoming. And so we're going to start in the book of Genesis. Uh, we're just going to start reading 1-1, and we're going to go all the way to the end of Revelation. I don't know how else to do it. So, no, I'm just kidding. We're not, we're not going to do here. We, we would be here for a while if we did that. Um, but we are going to be in the book of Genesis uh, chapter 1 uh, this morning and jumping around from there. But we're going to begin there. So when we talk about the word, when we say the word becoming, what does that actually mean? Becoming who we were meant to be, who we were created to be, who we were designed to be. We're going to be tackling issues during this series about, about our identity as a human being and how we really look at ourselves and understand ourselves, things like our character, things like our purpose. We're going to be doing those things throughout this series. But today, we're, I want to frame up what it's going to look like over the next several weeks, because in order for us to discover who it is that God wants us to become, 
And how do we do that? We first must dive in to understand who we are, kind of our identity in Jesus. You know, throughout the ages, some of the very same questions have been asked by some of our most brilliant minds. Nearly every religion, along with some of the greatest thinkers like Aristotle and Socrates and Plato and others, have asked these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? We're constantly trying to figure out what makes us tick, what we're like, why I am the way that I am. And even though we know our own thoughts, we're kind of the star of our own show. We're kind of the star of our own movie, aren't we? Everything from inside of us comes from a first-person perspective. I mean, I can try to empathize and see what it's like to be you and kind of what it feels like to walk a mile in your shoes, but really, I, I only know what it's like to be me. So we're constantly trying to figure out who we are, and then the follow-up question, who am I becoming? And we know that this life that we live in now, it's not a static life. We are moving, either, either backwards or forwards, but we're constantly moving. I know sometimes it feels like we're in a rut, and we even uh, use words like we're stuck or we're stalled or we're marking time, and there may be aspects of our life that feel exactly that, but all of us are on a journey moving through life, moving through life. So here's the big idea that I want us all to walk away with today. It's this. All of us are moving from who we were yesterday to who we're becoming today and even tomorrow. I'm going to say that again. All of us are moving from who we were yesterday to who we're becoming today and tomorrow. How many of you out, out there have uh, taken some of those personality tests that they have out in culture? Yeah, lots of us have taken those. One of the earliest ones for my generation was the four colors assessment that I took back in 1989. I took that one. You were either an orange, a green, a yellow, or a blue. Each of, each one of them, each one of the colors representing a different personality. Now me, I came out in orange, which is obviously the best one, right? <laughs> obviously. Orange were people who were described as having lots of energy, excited, loves freedom, hates rules, and is extremely spontaneous. When I was reading, I, when I took the assessment and I was reading all those descriptors, I was like, yep, that is exactly me. Some of you may have taken the Myers-Briggs uh, personality test. If you're familiar with those letters, uh, I came out as an ENFP, which is an extrovert, intuitive, feeling, and perceiving. Again, of all the 16 personality tests that you're, or, or, or scenarios or types uh, in the Myers-Briggs assessment, this is probably the best one that you can be. <laughs> Spoken like a true ENFP, if you know some of the descriptors. But some of those descriptors of an ENFP are enthusiastic, charismatic, charming, energetic, and independent, which is how I got Janet 30 years ago, right? I'm a seven on the Enneagram, and I'm an SI on the DISC assessment. But let's get down to what really matters, to the core of who we are. So I went online, and I took the, the premier personality identifier. And it's the famous, which Disney princess am I? 
That's the premier one, right? And ironically, by looking at my head, I'm Rapunzel. <laughs> Rapunzel, let down your hair. I can't help you. I have none. So I have no idea how I came out Rapunzel, maybe because of all the independence and hate rules and everything, but that's who I came out as. Now, just so, just so you know, all the dudes out there, uh, after discovering which Disney princess I am, to get my man card back, I went back and watched every Sylvester Stallone movie ever made just to kind of bring me back to reality. But you know, digging down to those deeper parts of ourselves, sometimes that can be painful, can it? Sometimes it can be scary. Sometimes it can be very challenging. Digging down to the deeper parts of us really forces us to look at ourselves and see parts of us that are damaged, parts of us that are hurting, parts of us that are struggling, the parts of us that are broken, the parts that we don't like to see that we continue to ignore. So the first thing that we do, and this is our, our human condition, is to try to figure it out and fix ourselves. And we even say to ourselves, how do I fix this? And we turn to all the self-help stuff out there. Did you know that studies, will, studies have predicted that the self-help industry will be a $60 billion industry by 2025? Just two years from now, the self-help self industry will be $60 billion as people try to figure out who we are, how we're wired, and how we can fix what's wrong with us, how we can fix what's broken and live this inspired, fulfilled life. We may not ask ourselves directly, but indirectly, we are looking for answers. We're looking for them on our own. We want to come to terms with our past. We want to understand our motivations, our family of origin, which is critically important. The different traumas that we have experienced in our life. And it's not just a curiosity about what's been, but it's this curiosity to try to figure out in what's going to impact me for who I become. We want to know that there's meaning. We want to know that there's a purpose for my life and how we relate to one another. We want to know where am I headed in the life beyond this one? Where am I going? So today we're going to start this series by looking at three key things, which also brings up several questions that we all should be asking ourselves. Questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? Who am I becoming and where am I headed in the next life? And it starts with some foundational things. So if you're taking notes uh, this morning, you'll see the, on the back of your program is the note-taking sheet. You can take some notes there. Number one says this, I am made in the image of God. I am made in the image of God. This is the baseline question for number one when we say, where did I come from? I know our first answer is to give the name of the city from which we came, right? I came from the Bay or I came from Fresno. I was born in Texas or whatever. That, that's kind of the easy, uh, uh, easy way to answer that question. Like personally, I, I was born in Ohio. Uh, Janet, my wife, was born in Florida. Three of my four kids were born in Tennessee. My last one, Ella, was born in Colorado. When people ask me uh, where I'm from, it can actually be very confusing because when I'm here, they'll say, where did you come from uh, to move here? Well, I came from Wisconsin, but I lived, in I lived in Colorado before that, but I'm from Tennessee. Oh, so you were born in Tennessee. No, I was actually born in Ohio, but I moved to Tennessee. So it becomes this big thing about where all I've been. 
And like I said, sometimes it's just, just easier to tell people uh, where we're from and when we answer that question. But when we pull back to the bigger question, not just the location of my birth, but where did we as human beings come from? You see, it's hard to process today and tomorrow if we don't look at our origin. And I know there's, a lot, there's been lots of debate about the beginning and origin, and we're not going to get into that debate this morning. But know that for virtually all of human history, the understanding was that human beings, in fact, all of creation came from God. Now, I know that different religions and different beliefs have kind of pointed to some different directions for this, but virtually all religions have looked to a creator and an all-powerful something. But there are also those who would disagree. That we, they, they would take the opposite view and, and say, well, I don't believe it, that there is a God. So the thinking behind this is that, that we as human beings came from a culmination of things like time, chance, and chemistry. That given enough time, given enough chances, given the right amount of chemistry, boom, the origin of man. That's the predominant theory in our education system today. But there are some implications to this nonsense. <laughs> if we're the result of time, chance, and chemistry, then things like justice, which we hold as a goal and a virtue, is really just arbitrary. Human rights are decided by whoever's wielding the most power. Good and evil are just perceptions. And we're left with really just one concrete thing, that the survival of the fittest is really the only ethical standard. But who has power to win? Love and beauty become just chemical responses. But what we're going to see during this series is that God, our creator, through his word, has better answers for us. He has meaning and purpose and worth for us. It's how we were designed. It's where we came from. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry, scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is one of the most understated but profound passages from our Bible. Did you catch what was said? Did you catch the, the beautiful implications of what God said? This makes the most sense. As human beings, we are, we are image bearers. We are created in the image of God to reflect that image back to God and reflect the image of God to one another. It's foundation for us. It provides the basis for human dignity and human worth. It's not based on our performance or our social standing or any other accomplishments that we've achieved. All human beings are created with value and with worth. But do we see ourselves as valuable? Do we see the worth that's on the inside of us? Do we see the value and the worth in others? Look what Psalm 139 said. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And I love these next words. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. 
This wasn't just a message for King David because he was king and chosen. It's the message for every single human being, whether you're a successful entrepreneur, a business owner, or homeless. You have value and worth given to you by God. Whether you have a million followers on social media or you're that growing life in the womb, you have been given value and worth and you are made in the image of God. And that really leads us to deeper things. Morality, ethics, good and evil, love, justice, and beauty. Because he made us in his image, the beauty and power of things like marriage and family and serving and sacrifice are all elevated results. So listen to me this morning. You are not, you are more than just a collection of cells in DNA. You are not an accident. Regardless of the circumstances of your parents or your birth, you are created and designed and made in God's image. Every single person that has ever been or will ever be is made in the image of God with inherent worth and value, so much so that God sent his one and only son to die on a cross to reconcile us to him. And that takes us to number two. Write this down. There is eternity beyond this life. There is eternity beyond this life. So this leads us to the second core question for us to ask ourselves. Where am I going? So who am I? Where did I come from? And now, where am I going? Who am I becoming? We often shy away from these kinds of thoughts and questions because there's so much to dive into that's unknown, right? Too many variables and, 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 and too much that gets exposed of who I am. When I start digging into who I really am and when I start digging into where am I possibly going from after this life and I go into the next life, Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's unknown because we, we see clearly in Scripture the descriptions of heaven and hell, but none of us have been there, so we don't really know. So because of all the variables, we shy away from topics like this. We shy away from asking the tough question, where am I going? We don't want to ask unless it's something simple. You know, where are we going for lunch today? <laughs> we, we don't mind asking questions about lunch or plans for the weekend, but we don't really want to go much deeper than that. And one of the things that keeps us from asking is because we're too busy staring at our screens. And it's funny because I saw some heads go, mm. <laughs> right? We are. We're so busy staring at our screens. I just got a text or my, my watch just vibrated or I'm checking the score, you know, because it's playoffs. I'm Googling the origin of humans because I want to make sure that Pastor Jeremy's preaching the things that are right. We're easily distracted from engaging in deeper things, aren't we? Those, those soul things. But listen to me, this is the conclusion that I've come to. We are more interested in watching someone else's life than we are participating in our own. We are more interested in watching someone else's life than we are participating in our own. You know, another reason that we don't ask these tough questions about where I'm going and kind of see what's coming is that studies show that more and more of us in today's society are staying insulated and isolated from older, godly people. Back when I was, when I was growing up, I saw young people, people in their 20s and 30s, hanging out with the older generation all the time, and you rarely see that today. 
I try on a weekly basis, I try on a monthly basis connecting uh, with Tim. Where are you at, Tim? Tim, 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 Tim and I uh, try to connect once a month. I love sitting down with him and just, and we talk just about life and about God things and about just science and things like that. I love sitting down with Tim because he's so wise and we, we don't seek after that anymore. But we should, we should crave to hang out with the older generation. Sorry to call you old, Tim. Uh, but... <laughs> but because they're so wise, we can learn from them and discover the value of their faithfulness and their holiness and their commitment and their obedience. Look what scripture says about this. Proverbs chapter 16, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. And then four chapters later, Solomon says this, the glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. I know you can only answer this question based on your own life journey and where you are, but I found that the older I get, the more I think about where I'm going and the more I think about the life and legacy that I'm going to be leaving. You don't think about those things when you're a teenager. You don't think about those things when you're in your 20s about your life and your legacy or where you're going, the, the life beyond this one. But the older you get, the more you contemplate on those things because when you're young you do stupid stuff right nothing you feel invincible I remember and maybe only guys can resonate with this but I remember when I was when I was a teenager and in my 20s driving a car I was like you know I think I could survive if my car went off that cliff <laughs> I'd jump out right at the last minute my car would crash and I'd kind of roll through the gravel I'd be okay one of the things that I did when I was a teenager is that we'd go to the mall and we'd be on the second story and I'd always go to the railing and look over and my brothers and I, we play this game. Okay, somebody put, puts a gun to your head. Where are you going to jump? You know, it's like, uh, I try to land on that kiosk. That'd break my fall. Or I'd try to land in that little tree over there. That'd be, I'd be okay. And then I pass that on to my kids. When they, got, when they were little kids, I'd say, all right, daddy's going to throw you off. Where are you going to land? Um, I'm going to land on that bench over there. You know, it was just this game because you think you're invincible. You, you think about stupid stuff like that. But the older I get... And the more I feel, <laughs> the more I see and the more I know, I know that there's a life beyond this one. I know that this life will one day come to an end. And something better beyond is waiting. Now, some people believe that at the end of this life is just nothingness. Some believe that there's a sort of this unifying place of energy, existence, and peace. And some, some people believe in reincarnation in another life. But God tells us that there is eternity on the other side of this one. Jesus taught that knowing him, believing in him, having a relationship with him secures our eternity and secures our destination. John 14, listen to the words of Jesus. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house if this were not so. So would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be there, be with me where I'm going. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, why is this important to know? Because it shapes how I live. Knowing this shapes 
what I believe. Knowing this shapes for whom I put my trust. Knowing that there's an eternity after this life. Circum- it, it molds the way that I believe all of those things. How I live, what I believe, who I put my trust in. And that leads us to number three. There is hope only in Jesus. There is hope only in Jesus. So the third question is kind of the result of the first two questions. If I wrestle through where did I come from, who am I, and then where am I going, who am I becoming, I end up with this question. So what do I do about all of this? It boils down to two options. One is life-changing and the other is hopeless. It's kind of interesting that it comes back down to some of the things we've been talking about and teaching over the last two weeks. It comes down to either self-help or Jesus' help. Either self-help or Jesus' help. Self-help says you can do it. The answer lies within you, your strength, your power, your control. You can do whatever you want. Be whatever you want. Achieve whatever you want. Change whatever you want. The source is within you as long as you look deep enough. But the truth is, when it comes to the life after this one, we can't overcome death. You can do, you can believe that you can do whatever you want in this life, but we can't overcome death. If we're really honest, we can take the blindfold off like we talked about last week. We realize that we can't even really handle life. (laughs) Forget conquering death. Some of us can't even figure this thing out called life. We go through a situation and we realize that We're not as smart as we fooled ourselves into believing. We go through unexpected hits or we get knocked down. We realize we have this sudden awareness that I'm actually not as strong as I believed I I was. There was a book written a couple of decades ago called Lost in the Cosmos. And here's the subtitle, The Last Self-Help Book. That was written almost two decades ago. The reason the author called it The Last Self-Help Book was to reveal this ultimate truth. Are you ready? This is what he proclaimed in this book. You can't help yourself. (laughs) That's what he said. The truth is only Jesus can help us. He's the only option that ultimately makes sense. He's the only one that you and I should look to because Jesus' help includes his death on the cross to pay for our sin, something that you and I could never pay for. We, didn't, we don't have the right currency for that. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Some of us believe that we can self-help our way into a relationship with Jesus. I'll go to church. I'll read the Bible. I'll be, as, I'll, I'll be good or I'll be as good as I can. And all of those have value. All of those have some good in them. But that's not the currency that brings us forgiveness and life in a restored relationship to God. Look what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 6. For the wages of sin is what? Death. That's the payment for sin. But the free gift of God, you don't have to pay for it, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's an interesting article out there right now that kind of sparked me to do a little bit of research. According to the website, teachingsofthebuddha.com, These are the very last words of Buddha when he was on his deathbed. 
These are his last words. Behold, O monks, this is my last advice to you. Look at this. Behold, O monks, this is my last advice to you. All component things in the world are changeable. They are not lasting. Work hard to gain your own salvation. Do your best. Work hard to gain your own salvation. Do your best. Do you remember what the last words of Jesus were when he was hanging on the cross? It is finished. One says, work hard to gain your own salvation. Do your best. But our God says, no, it's finished. I just accomplished everything. I did the work, except me. You can't gain anything on your own, except me, because it is finished. You see, Jesus accomplished what you and I could not. Jesus is the one who conquered death and overcame the grave. Jesus is the one who will restore us and raise us up if we look to him. Jesus is the one who brings about forgiveness of our sin and guilt and shame. Jesus is the one who makes us new and transforms us and puts us in right standing with God and with one another. Jesus is the one who restores us to who we were created and made and meant to be. Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul He was giving the example of Moses about the time that Moses saw God and he had to put a veil over his face because his face began to shine. So he put a veil on so that the image and the glory of God would be hidden. Listen to this. But Paul writes that because of Jesus, there's no hiding or veil because we are to reflect the image of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, for the, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. In Jesus, you and I are to become who He designed and crafted us to be going all the way back to the beginning. So over these next few weeks, we're going to look at what it looks like for our lives to become more like Jesus, becoming. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look to Jesus, that in him we can be fashioned and shaped to be more like him, more like the characteristics of Jesus, made in his image to be more like him. Remember our big idea. All of us are moving from who we were yesterday to who we're becoming today and tomorrow. So here's my challenge for all of us as we leave here today. This week, take an inventory of your life and take note of who you are, who you're becoming, and where you're going in the life after this one. You're going to discover areas, you're going to see parts of yourself that you don't like, but that's part of the journey. That's part of the surgery that that Jesus likes to do in our spirits. The question is, you can't fix yourself, so are you going to allow Jesus to do the work? Who are you? Who are you becoming? And where are you going in eternity?
Will you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for this moment. Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the time that we get to come together, Lord, and grow together as a faith family, but also to come to the realization of who we are, that we are nothing without you, that you are our source of joy and hope and forgiveness and restoration and peace. Father, help us come to the realization also that whenever we go through challenging, struggling opportunities, Lord, and times and seasons of our life, Lord, that we can't, it's good to, to read and to listen to podcasts and to read books and to have mentors and sit down and engage in conversation, Lord, but you are the source of healing, that you are the source of redemption, that you are the source of restoration, Lord, that we should be turning to you Lord, help us identify who we, who we were, who we are today, who we're becoming tomorrow, but also where are we going in this life after this one? Father, I just pray for those right now, God, who don't know you, who have never invited you into their life, invited you into their heart, Lord, that right now that they're making that connection with you. Lord, they're asking you to forgive them of their sin. They're inviting you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. They're turning their life over for you and to you. Lord, that redemption is happening right now in this room. Sins are being forgiven. Lives are being changed. People are being transformed, your people, into the image of you. We are made in your image. So help us, Lord, to reflect the characteristics of who you are, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, we love you. As we go on this journey, Lord, as we separate and go our separate ways, Lord, I pray you'll watch over us, God. Protect us. Keep us safe, Lord, with all the natural disasters, Lord, that's happening around here, Lord, all the rain, Lord. Just watch over our homes. Watch over our vehicles. Watch over our safety. Protect us, Lord. Keep us alert. Lord, bring us back next week, Lord, ready to learn what it, what it means to surrender like you, becoming more like Jesus and how to surrender like you did, Jesus. And go with us, Lord. We love you. In your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, let me read this, the, the lyrics to this old hymn called In Christ Alone. It goes like this. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. As you go this week, remember, do some homework, do some inventory, take some inventory, ask yourself, who am I? Who am I becoming? Where am I going? Look at those struggling, challenging parts of your life and say, how can I surrender that? to Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. 
what it means to become more like Jesus in the area of surrender. So thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Have a great week. Those of you that came prepared to give, we have a different ways we can do that. We have a, a giving uh, a box over there by our exit doors. And we just want to say thank you so much for supporting what we do around here. But we love you. Have a great week. God bless you. We will see you back next Sunday. Ladies, don't forget, if you want to meet with Miss Lisa over in the kids area, wait till our kids get checked out. And then they're going to meet about some 2023 events. Okay. God bless you. Have a great week.